you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome, folks. I'm Rich. I'm Henry. Hello, Rich. How are you, sir? Yeah, very well, thanks. Another session. We've, we're back into the groove. We are, yes, indeed. It's, it's good. I'm enjoying it. And it's my pick, so of course I'm enjoying that. Yeah, well, we've been bouncing around the genres, which is good. Yes. Uh, and I think you're picking a genre which we've not done in a while. Have we not? I don't think so. Yeah, maybe not. Although, if you're going to say Britpop, then I'm going to have to probably argue a little bit that I'm not sure they're really, truly Britpop. And that's a fair place to start. So, who are the bands? What's the album? <laughs> Let's get some context. Well, as, as soon as I say this, everyone's going to laugh and be like, of course they're Britpop. Ocean <laughs> yeah, colour yeah. scene. Yeah, Britpop. And mostly Shoals, which is, in my mind, their best album. Yeah, agree. Definitely agree on the album choice. And it's a great album. And it is a great album. I always think of it as Britpop purely because this was the late 90s. Yeah. And so that's when Britpop was what? Pretty much at its peak. Yeah, and they are intrinsically entwined in that Britpop scene. I just don't think their sound is quite what you'd expect from Britpop. So who are the bands and what are they? Let's get into some background. <laughs> yeah, so Ocean Colour Scene, often abbreviated to OCS because we like our TLAs. Uh, they're an English rock band. They formed in Solihull, so Birmingham area, in 1989. They have had five top ten albums, including a number one in 97 with the follow-up to this album, which we'll probably come on to a little bit. Yep. Uh, they were actually formed after two other bands called The Boys and Fanatics disbanded. Okay, news to me. There's been a few changes to the lineup over the years because they're still going 25-odd years later. But the credits for this album are Simon Fowler, vocals, acoustic guitar, harmonica, and I think he's credited with doing a lot of the songwriting, at least from a lyrical perspective. Yeah. Damon Minchella on bass, Oscar Harrison, drums, piano, vocals, Steve Craddock, guitar, piano, vocals, and Paul Weller, organ, guitar, piano, vocals. Because he, uh, he's not a full-time member of the band. No, but he is mates with the band, and he's sort of entwined in how they managed to keep going. Mm -hmm. So these guys were really close. They basically lived together pretty much while recording this album at the studio called Mostly Shoals, which is what the name... I think the album was named after the studio rather than the other way around. Right. And what does that have any special meaning, the name of Mostly Shoals? Yeah, so Mostly obviously being the area of Birmingham that they were in, and apparently it's down to being sort of named-ish after an American, fairly famous American studio called Muscle Shoals. Right. And so Mosley Shoals became a thing. And I'm guessing they were just, oh, we've recorded all of this at Mosley Shoals, so we're just going to call the album Mosley Shoals. Well, I guess given their first album was called Ocean Colour Scene, it's kind of, <laughs> I wonder whether they're a little bit lacking in the inspiration department. Maybe, that's, that's possibly uh, true. And the reason I mentioned the Paul Weller stuff is that their guitarist, Steve Craddock, spent a lot of time playing for Paul Weller in Paul Weller bands on Paul Weller albums. Ah, okay. So he's been Paul Weller's backup guitarist, rhythm guitarist, other guitarist for 20-odd years. Yeah, and if you don't know the name Paul Weller, you'll know The Jam, which yes. was his, I guess, band before he yep. went solo. So they're a really tight-knit bunch. They talk about the fact that we've always been close. In the 90s, we were working so hard and had a lot of fun. We've always had a laugh. Now we're practically all teetotalers. We've sort of all grown up, and this is 
20 odd years later when they were doing throwback play the album in whole for mostly shoals a few years ago when they were interviewed about it yeah well actually i was to, to kind of go back to the point you made about them continually recording music and, and still being around today they've got quite a back catalogue and there's lots and lots of albums and lots of I guess re-releases they're clearly musicians yeah they're a band who want to play they want to be in a band they like touring they like putting that effort in they seem to enjoy not just the sex and drug and rock and roll side of rock music they actually genuinely enjoy the lifestyle as a whole yeah and from a sound perspective they're a shameless throwback to earlier eras I think a lot of bands in Britpop were inspired by the Beatles and other bands in that kind of 60s and early 70s era. Yep. And Fowler talks about the Beatles and the Who as being obvious influences from his youth. But he also says, my personal source of influences was Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, that type of thing, as well as English folk music. And also David Bowie growing up, that was very crucial. And he also mentions... The Stones were what you'd call a catalyst for them as a band. And in other interviews, he mentions Fairport Convention and Pentangle, which explains some of the rest of the sounds, which I think is much more late 60s psych rock and 70s mod scene and American rock influenced. Yeah, the way you can see the the mod thing right all over the places right it's kind of their style, isn't it? And the way they dress. So Yeah, exactly. And so you've got all that fuzzy guitars fuzzier vocals there's nothing clean or clinical about the sound and i mean that in a good way it's it's this beautiful warm hug of a sound almost yeah but it's quite uh while it's it doesn't do anything special they're a tight-knit group like they can play music well well ocs they get a bit of a short shrift from music snobs who think or seem to think that they're this lowest common denominator or not a real band because of how transparent their influences are. But you're right, they are incredibly musically adept and they really understand how to craft a good tune. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's entirely unfair to shit on them, but they do get this dad rock tag, which always seems very dismissive, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing when you've got musicians who are really, really good at what they do doing it. Yeah, and some of their songs have been pinched, like with TFI Friday and Chris Evans, and those kind of that that background music. Yeah, he's grabbed it because it's it's good and it's different. So it's not like it's just rock by numbers. There's there's original ideas which are being used. Well, Chris Evans is one of the people that gets a lot of credit from the band and from people who've written about the band because he used Riverboat song almost as a uh, a theme tune. Yeah for not just tfi friday but also on his breakfast show the gallagher's were mates with them they'd gone and seen oasis when they were fairly new and noel gallagher actually heard the band's tape in the offices of his record label and offered them the opening slot for oasis's breakthrough 94 tour and they were also on the bill for nebworth right which they talk about being absolutely petrified walking out and seeing 125,000 people <laughs> I, I have a friend of mine that went to Nebworth to see Oasis and mm. he said it was the worst gig he's ever been to. It was complete. <laughs> it was rubbish. He said there was too many people. The acoustics were rubbish because you were a long way back and you couldn't hear anything. Yeah. And he just had a horrible, horrible time. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I suspect there were a lot of people who enjoyed it, but they were probably the ones near the front looking extremely happy. Yeah. And also probably quite pissed up. So... Craddock had also played guitar on 
Paul Weller's Wildwood, as I mentioned, he's been part of that scene for a while. And what happened was that they'd had a really unpleasant split with their record label that had released the first album. And so Craddock basically was supporting Ocean Colour Scene with that money. And his dad apparently remortgaged the house to continue to try and put money into the band. And I think to pay off the debts for that previous record deal. Wow. And so there's a lot of that stuff that sort of feeds into them having that time to to record this album, this mm. Mosley Shoals album. And this is the one that gets them famous. Gallagher proclaimed them the best band in Britain in several interviews in 1996 after the album came out. They ironically knocked Oasis Be Here Now off the number one spot with their follow-up to this album. Wow, okay. And they deserve, I think, that, I guess, fondness. There's a lot of fondness for them among people who were... Britpop fans, rock fans in the mid nineties. Back in the mid nineties, would you have listened to them then? Did you gra- did the album grab you? Yeah, absolutely. I was a massive, massive fan. They were on the Shine albums that I owned, yeah. so I picked up some of the music from there. They were constantly being played on Radio One and Virgin and XFM. Once I got into that. And so, yeah, those two albums, their second and third albums. I mean, I know this album like the back of my hand there there are things that i hadn't listened to for a long time on here where i still know every little drum riff every little guitar flourish they're just immediately there and come to mind with the second album marching already isn't it that's the 97 that's the third album the follow-up yes sorry the third yeah the second big one yeah (laughs) and these guys some of the flat that's thrown at them is is fair so they're sort of a bit of an abstract pictures band when it comes to lyrics and they get a bit of flack for not writing anything that's really clear and just sort of throwing stuff down on a page and hoping that it works yeah and Fowler's said in the past they can come up with a meaning because I haven't got one so he's clearly writing stuff that he thinks sounds good maybe rather than something really meaningful we had this with Nirvana when right. you're talking and Cobain said himself he was like that's the that was the last thing I did I kind of made some words up Right, you can read into it what you like, but really, it's not why I'm here. Yeah, but I mean, musically, I I just love what these guys do and what they bring to the party. Uh, we should dive into the album because yeah. the Riverboat song you've already mentioned in terms of Chris Evans and his use of it, but this is an iconic opening guitar and bass riff on this album. It's one of the iconic riffs of well, I was going to say the '90s, but to be honest, probably all time. Yeah. At least in UK, in, in, in the UK music scene, if you have listened to the radio in the UK or, or watched the TV in the UK growing up, you will know this riff. Yeah, totally mainstream. And it's very 70s mod rock. Again, the jam in particular comes to mind here. And I know there's a Paul Weller influence and he's playing on this album. But specifically the guitar flourishes and the Hammond organ on here. Yeah. I love a Hammond organ. Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) It's just great. Uh, And then that's followed up with The Day We Caught the Train, which, again, is just brilliant. Never saw it as the start. It's more of a change of heart. It's a couplet that will live long in the heart of 90s indie kids. A a huge, huge single. So it got to number four in the UK charts, but I think it went platinum as a single. It It was a big song. Yeah, absolutely. And... I love the earnest vocals here. The launch into the chorus is great. These guys write songs to sing along with. Yeah. So this is maybe one of the best of the bunch, but that oh la la, 
bit in there if you heard this after a few drinks in a pub with them playing it loud and it's a bit rowdy half the pub's singing along to that yeah yeah it's this is a um a 90s classic it crops up on all sorts of yeah. compilation albums and there's all sorts of again references to that previous era you've got an echo of probably Lennon in the vocal delivery in the verses you've got Noddy Holder in the we've got the whole wide world two-thirds of the way through the song yeah it's great it's just happy and joyous and it's a wonderful fun track yeah I, I think it's one of their best songs he sipped another rum and coke and told a dirty joke <laughs> so. yeah uh, and then that's followed up with the circle which I think is highly underrated but it turns out this is one of Fowler's favorites circle is a really good song yeah this is one of those where when we listened back to the album i was like it's this song and <laughs> it's a song that i've i guess you forget about but it's a great song yeah and this again the opening's great it's got a mix of the jam again it's got a bit of late era beatles in here there's some stone roses who i've already mentioned they're a big ocs influence uh, apparently fowler minchella and harrison met craddock at a stone roses concert and that's how he ended up being part of the band in the first place and i guess if you go back to your first point about they weren't really Britpop, these three songs don't really fit into that Britpop vibe no, there's no there's no swagger there's no kind of upbeat oi 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 kind of lads 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 yeah. that, that isn't that isn't here at all yeah and there's more great guitar work in here i love the faded in fuzz at the start of this that bit yeah. right at the start is fantastic and the harmonies in here are great as well yep agree um so those those first three songs they front loaded the album and they've done it well yeah absolutely i also i'm gonna say i there i think it's constant value all the way through so i'm gonna jump to 40 past midnight yep piano opening on this us r&b blues influence maybe jefferson airplane small faces the stones i know they're british but their sound is very heavily steeped in us blues and r&b yeah policemen and pirates yeah brilliant tune led by piano melody this might be one of the earliest tracks that taught me that jarring musical tones could work well because there's all those off-key guitar bits that that kick in part way through and then resolve back to more um in line guitar tones yeah and again this kind of points to a band that is a little bit more interesting than just oh it's boring ocean color scene there's nothing special about them yeah and it's also got the line we all take our chances to glance at the wife in the opposite bed which is just a brilliantly snide take on human nature <laughs> it's really interesting yeah the downstream yep it's a lovely downbeat moment and there's a sea of upbeat raucous tracks in here that it just takes the edge off everything and just brings it back to a little bit of focus yeah it's got its place well i don't know i think when i listened to this as a teenager this song was like whatever but <laughs> but that's more of my teenage brain than yeah. anything else and it's followed by you've got it bad which is it's the stone cold belter yeah. Uh, yeah i'm not i don't have anything else to say about that just go and listen to it it's, it's brilliant yeah so it's a really solid solid album and it finishes strong right so you've got you've got it bad and then you've got get away which i love it's an element of almost like gomez and i wonder whether ocs had an influence on gomez and their sound must have done they're not bedfellows but they're they you can see influences in them and the, the actual sound of the two bands like gomez is the way that they play their instruments is 
yeah is, is pretty similar and this has got that influence from sort of late beatles weed slash mushroomsy hazy that kind of era of their music as well yeah it's great yeah the whole album's fantastic i mean i could easily have just name checked the whole thing but it is bloody brilliant we should mention you've already talked about their follow-up but 100 mile high city what a fucking tune that is oh just absolutely nuts song one of my favorites i i I actually almost think it's their their best are they um you're right i'm not going to argue with you on that i genuinely think it's the it's not the best album but it's the best song yeah this the the album doesn't hit that height after this one song but 100 mile high cities another one where i've forgotten about them completely i haven't listened to this song in 20 years and you play it and it's like wow bam that's a great song brilliant dueling guitars and the use on lock stock and two smoking barrels has sort of cemented this in sort of uk late 90s early thousands culture yeah yeah exactly and they they regularly opened open sets with this because it's such a solid song yeah i also have to mention traveler's tune that's another great track on here that was also was that it must have been a single i think so yeah it's there's like three tracks on this album that have over a million plays and everything else is in a couple hundred thousands those have got to be the big singles yeah and for a band who um were never really well you know this is 20 odd plus years ago yeah and they're still getting that kind of listenership it's still going yeah which is awesome but i drifted away from them after that i don't know if you listened to them more no i i didn't which is funny because I enjoyed their music. They were very popular. I think, if I'm honest, I listened to them more because they were on the radio and friends, some friends were huge fans. My musical taste was slightly off to one side. So when my friends and the radio stopped playing their songs, I drifted onto. Yeah, that was my problem, was that everywhere I was listening to to get new music, new albums, new releases, I think they all saw OCS as being a bit old from the 90s they're a bit last generation sort of attitude towards them and so i didn't get any exposure to their new stuff because it just wasn't in the places i was listening to music but in some in some ways let's be brutally honest you've got the end of the 90s and suddenly you've got bands like the prodigy and radiohead starting to produce really different music and ocean color scene just carried on in the same vein so you can kind of understand why people would go hang on a second i'm i'm disappearing off on this tangent so you say that, but they still had five top ten albums, yeah. including these two that we've mentioned. But there's three more after that. True. Yeah. I just didn't listen to any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, an impressive career. And I've had a brief listen to some of the more recent stuff. And it, it's very much in the same vein. So yeah. if you like that stuff, I think part of the problem I have is that those first two albums are so ingrained in my psyche that... I struggle to listen to the other stuff without just wanting to go back and listen to mostly shows. Yeah, and and I'm the same. And that style of music, if I want to hear a, a song of that genre, why would you go away from most? Why would you not listen to mostly shows? <laughs> exactly. So, what about live? Have you ever seen them? They they've been around for a while. I have. I saw them at the very first live music event I ever went to, which was V2000, which I'm sure I've mentioned before. And everyone I went with really wanted to go and see them, which is really interesting because obviously these albums are released in the mid-90s and this is three or four years later and you're starting to see other bands pop. 
and yet everyone was like oh my god OCS we have to go and see OCS literally everyone in my group of friends wanted to go and see them uh, maybe apart from one one or two yeah but the vast majority of the group wanted to it was a huge crowd it was that late-ish afternoon third from the top bill I think they were followed by Macy Gray and then Travis who I didn't go and see because Supergrass were on the other stage but it's funny I found footage online and Liam Gallagher's hanging out in the wings and there are so many of those bucket fishing hats that you remember from the late 90s yeah so many of those in the crowd where did they go they went away as they should have done because I saw them Glastonbury 97 so nice they just released marching already almost about the same time so they came on and I hadn't heard it so they came on stage and played 100 Mile High City. <laughs> and the crowd were like, what's this? And everyone was just going nuts. But in that crowd, it was the classic, it was that classic style of oversized T-shirts and mega yep. baggy jeans and short sleeve T-shirts over long sleeve T-shirts and, and little beanies <laughs> yes. and things. And it's like, oh my God, you look at the, and you look at the footage now and you think, wow, this is, this is from ages ago. It was. Very much that <laughs> style, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Like kids these days, they all look so slick and fashionable. They've been TikTok and Instagramized, whereas we had none of that. We just geeky, gawky kids hanging out in whatever baggy clothes we could get our hands on. Didn't matter. No one took a camera to a gig like that because no, because you couldn't fit it in your pocket. Um, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I, I do remember that that gig, and it was really good. And I think the point that you've made before, and is that they're they're good musicians and they were tight live they were they yeah. they made a really really good bash of it they were really engaged as well and yep. sometimes you go to festivals and the band's like oh we'll just go through the motions and these these guys were like no we're, we're up for this yeah and you can see the looks on the faces of the crowd that were there and we were the same everyone's just having an amazing time massive grins everyone's delighted yeah yeah so yeah. a really good live band be interesting to see the makeup of a ocean color scene crowd now i think i think it's probably very very of a style it's everyone our age yeah i don't know though i think people who still really want to go to ocean color scene gigs are kind of probably stuck in the past a bit i'm being a little bit mean i don't know i think i think you are being a bit mean i think there'd be a lot of people our age i mean if i'd known they were touring mostly shows i probably would have gone to see it yeah just um, because i'd be like oh my god that's amazing i definitely want to see that again yeah what about influences? I don't know that they're influential in that way, other than what I've already mentioned in terms of atonal stuff. I think the biggest thing was I just really loved that style, and I don't know that I'd heard as much of the kind of psych rock and American R&B that they were influenced by, and so it sort of opened opened my mind up to that kind of style more, particularly the R&B and blues and just i ended up going off and finding stuff like that more interesting yeah but but i don't think they're i don't think they're hugely influential i think they're just a band that i really bloody love from a from an era that's influential on my music taste that's fair because i went backwards after hearing them into kind of the jam the who band right. you've kind of mentioned and i kind of enjoyed that mod style and they did it very well so you go back and you listen to these other bands and yeah kind of almost go back in time and realize what they were influenced by so yeah, I yeah. think the issue with that for me was that I got into Paul Weller at the same time, yeah. and Paul Weller obviously is a much stronger link back to the bands he was already in before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But, but just a great band and such such brilliant music and just so much fun. 
Yeah, and I have a feeling that um, probably a few people listening of a similar age will go, oh, yeah, when they listen back, it's like, because you kind of forget about yeah. bands like this. So I, an excellent choice. Well done. Thank you. And thank you lot for joining us. Uh, let us know if you're massive OCS fans. We're obviously on the social media. You know where to find us. We've told you before. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.